0: Alright, well good evening everybody. It's 7 o'clock and so we're going to get started with tonight's teaching. If you're out in the foyer, I invite you to come in and find a good seat in, in the sanctuary. We've got our handouts in the back, we've got a scripture sheet and then our um, our, our uh, just our syllabus, our guide, our outline of tonight's lesson as well. And want to say welcome to anybody joining us online, on Facebook, on YouTube, wherever you find us tonight. We're glad you're with us. So we just want to welcome you into service tonight. Um, This evening, as people are making their way in, I'll just give a little bit of an introduction. We are on uh, Unit 4, Lesson 37. The title of tonight's lesson in Answers in Genesis is Isaac, the Child of Promise. Isaac, the Child of Promise. And uh, I'm going to start by just giving our lesson focus, and then we'll pray, and we'll get into the Word tonight. The lesson focus tonight is God confirmed His covenant with Abram. God changed Abram's name to Abraham and Sarai's name to Sarah. Even though Abraham thought Ishmael would fulfill God's promises, God miraculously gave Isaac to Abraham and Sarah in their old age. Isaac was the promised child who would inherit God's covenant with Abraham. And so this is our lesson focus tonight. We're talking about Isaac, the child of promise. And uh, we're going to see the relationship with Abraham and his uh, his first son born of Hagar named Ishmael. And and we're going to see the the transfer of covenant, the lineage of covenant that God had planned for. God had made a a miraculous um, way for it to come to be. We're going to see all that in the word tonight. And uh, I'll just tell you, as I was studying this, I was thinking about all these lessons you know this is like our fourth lesson now and we 've got another one next week next week we 're going to talk about um, abraham 's test uh, about Isaac um, and God asking him to sacrifice his promised child um, we 're going to get to that next week but i 've just been thinking about you know following Abraham this awesome man of faith this awesome um, you know father really of of the Well, the covenant we've got, it all comes through Abraham um, and God confirming the covenant with him. And so um, just taking the time to go through and study out Abraham's life, um, you know, this has been a blessing to me. I hope it's been a blessing to you. And I just thought about how we're like taking an in-depth look. It kind of reminded me of like a a history channel. I like watching the history channel. I like learning about uh, people of the past, events of the past. And these last several weeks and next week and tonight studying Abraham, I was just thinking this is like a, a... in-depth documentary about abraham this great man of faith and and you know we're seeing the good things we're seeing the the high moments of his life and in his interactions with god but we're also seeing some of the things that weren't as great and i'll tell you it's just encouraging to me to see the you know the realness the humanity of abraham someone we talk about someone that in the new testament we're going to see some scriptures tonight is really shown to be this great man of faith and yet he was still just a man that had a, a faith in god and that is what made his life extraordinary. That's what made his life a blessing, like we're going to read tonight. This is the reason he was uh, made a great nation by God. All of the things that happened, you know, um, God delivering the four kings into his hand, God uh, making a way for him to go and rescue Lot, and God's hand upon him through all of it. I mean, it's not that Abraham himself had these supernatural abilities or he was on some just totally different level as a man. It was just that he had faith in God. And so it encourages me that today We can put our faith in God The same way that Abraham put his faith in God And we can see God working on our behalf And uh, coming through in covenant On our behalf Just like he did with Abraham Because one of the things we'll see tonight Is God doesn't change You know that? God doesn't change And so it encourages me As we take this in-depth look At God interacting with Abraham This man of faith We can know that, that God wants to interact with us that way too God wants to move in our life Work in our life Speak in our life Bring the word to pass in our life As we put our faith in Him just like He did it for Abraham. And so let's pray and bless tonight's message. Bless our time of study. And then we'll get into the Word. Father, I just thank You that tonight, as we set this time aside, we would have revelation of the Word coming to us that it is a living Word. It is is a Word that um, just just brings new things forward in our hearts each time. Lord, not that there are new words written, but as we study and, and we are aware And we're sensitive to your spirit, who is the teacher, who is the reminder, who is the revealer of truth. God, I thank you that um, truth is, is more prevalent to us or we are more aware of it tonight. God, I pray that as we study Abraham's life, we would be encouraged and built up and equipped. In the matters of living a life of faith God I pray that as we study his life and your covenant with him We'd be encouraged in the covenant that we have um, with you The promises we have from you And that uh, as we put our faith in you We'll see your faithfulness come to pass We will see you um, acting and coming through On the promises you've made On the words you've given On the covenant that you've made with us so, Lord, we pray this tonight. I pray that you would be glorified as we study the Word. I pray that you would um, just just be. Just be pleased with us as we spend this time tonight studying the truth. God, I thank you that you are revealing things and showing us things that we haven't seen before. Thank you that we are equipped to go and just give a, a defense of our faith to shine the light of the gospel in word, in action, that uh, we're better, better able to live it out the more time we spend in your word having our faith built up. And so tonight, Lord, I just pray that our faith would be stirred up and we would go um, in, in just a, an awareness of you, an awareness of your faithfulness, an awareness of your promises and your covenant with us, God. We'll find great comfort, great security, and great strength in that. We believe in Jesus' name, amen. All right. well tonight I want to start by giving you the timeline and then we're going to jump right into Genesis 17. Now we've bounced around a little bit um, in the the teenage chapters of Genesis. Uh, We spent a couple weeks talking about Lot and his relationship with Abram. And so what that did is it took us ahead in the story and then we stepped back to look at Abram and his promise, his covenant, his interactions with God. And so I want to kind of catch us up and make sure we've got the accurate picture of the timeline. I'm going to reference our timeline a couple times tonight. Um, coming out of chapter 16, uh, what, we, what we saw last week was um, Abram having this interaction with God, and, uh, and he took Hagar... Um, Well, Sarah really told him to take Hagar, and um, well, they knew each other in the biblical way, and he had a son named Ishmael. And so that's chapter 16. Chapter 16 of Genesis happened when Abram was 86 years old. And um, if, if we just went right from the very end of chapter 16 into the very first verse of chapter 17... What we're going to find is there's a 13-year gap right there. And so we end with Ishmael being born, or we end with, uh, yeah, Ishmael's born right after Hagar had gone out in the desert and she'd come back. We talked about that last week. It says, Abram was 86 years old when Hagar bore Ishmael to Abram. And then it picks up in verse 1. Of chapter 17 With Abram being 99 years old So there's a 13 year window in here Where where there's not a lot written What it would appear is that they had just Stayed in the land of Canaan Where they were dwelling when Hagar bore Ishmael They would have been in in Canaan And uh, Abram and Hagar And Sarai off in the tent They were raising Ishmael They were going about their business They were were doing the agriculture thing They were growing They were uh, raising livestock Abram was just living in the land and so at this point just to catch us up on some of our dates right now starting in Genesis 17 this is 13 years since Ishmael had been born this is 13 years since um abram and sarai acted on god's plan but not in the way that god had wanted them to act because god had had wanted them to wait patiently in faith for him to fulfill the promise but instead they took action into their own hands we discussed that last week uh one other thing i wanted to point out is this would be 24 years since the promise of abram being a great nation was initially given And so here, picking up in Genesis 17, this is 24 years since God first gave him the word that he would be made a great nation like the stars in heaven. This is back when he was in Haran, and this was before all the travels, before Egypt, before the war with the kings, before going and pursuing to get Lot back, before any of that, he had been given a promise. Here we are, um, well, 24 years later, Abram and Sarai and Hagar, they've got a 13-year-old. And so this is where we're picking up. They're in the land of Canaan, Ishmael's 13, and let's read in Genesis 17, verse 1. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am God Almighty, I am God Almighty, we're going to come back and talk about that, walk before me and be blameless, that I may make my covenant between me and you, and may multiply you greatly. Then Abram fell on his face and God said to him, behold, my covenant is with you and you shall be the father of a multitude of nations. You shall no longer your name be called Abram. And I will give to you and to your offspring after you the land of your sojournings, this land you've traveled through, all the land of Canaan, for an everlasting possession. And I will be their God. And God said to Abraham, As for you, you shall keep my covenant, you and your offspring, after you throughout their generations. This is my covenant, which you shall keep between me and you and your offspring after me. Every male among you shall be circumcised. You shall be circumcised in the flesh of your foreskins, and it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and you. From his people. He has broken my covenant. And God said to Abraham, As for Sarai, your wife, you shall not call her name Sarai, but Sarah shall be her name. I will bless her, and moreover, I will give you a son by her. I will bless her, and she shall become nations. Kings of peoples shall come from her. And Abraham fell on his face and laughed and said to himself, Shall a child be born to a man who is a hundred years old? Shall Sarah, who is ninety years old, bear a child? And Abraham said to God, Oh, that Ishmael might live before you. God said, No. But Sarah, your wife, shall bear you a son, and you shall call his name Isaac. I will establish my covenant with him as an everlasting covenant for his offspring after him. As for Ishmael... I have heard you. Behold, I have blessed him and will make him fruitful and multiply him greatly. He shall father twelve princes and I will make him into a great nation. But I will establish my covenant with Isaac, whom Sarah shall bear to you at this time next year. When he had finished talking with him, God went up from Abraham. Then Abraham took Ishmael his son and all those born in his house or bought with his money, every male among the men of Abraham's house and He circumcised the flesh of their foreskins that very day As God had said to him Abraham was 99 years old when he was circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin And Ishmael his son was 13 years old when he was circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin That very day Abraham and his son Ishmael were circumcised All the men of his house, those born in the house And those bought with money from a foreigner were circumcised with him So wrapping up chapter 17 I want to talk through a couple of the things we saw there. One of the main points we see is the sign of covenant. The sign of covenant. This is going to be a primary thing we discuss tonight. The sign of covenant. Um, but before we do that, I want to go back to verse one and talk about how God presents Himself. See, when God shows up in this interaction, Genesis seventeen, to talk with Abram, he starts out the first thing he says, "I am God Almighty. I am God Almighty." And what that is, is, is the term El Shaddai. That's the term used, and it's translated to Almighty. He's got the power. He's got the strength. What this term is referring to is that God is able and strong to do what he says he will do. because and and Here's the reason I believe that God presented himself this way to Abraham first, or Abram in this case. He comes and he says, I am God Almighty. Why would God lead in by by telling him something about who God is? I believe it's because he was about to tell him he was going to do something that only a mighty and strong and able God would be able to do. To have a child at him, 100 years old, and Sarai, 90 years old, that could only happen by the miraculous power of a God who is able and strong to do what he says he'll do. And so I believe God presents the truth to him first, that this is who I am. You you believe in me. You believe I'm God. Let me tell you something about my nature, about who I am. I am able. I am strong. I can do all the things that I'm about to tell you that I can do. And I believe just like Abram is told this before God gives him the promise or the specifics of the plan, I believe we got to know that God is able and strong to do what he says he'll do before we can begin to put our faith in the specific words he tells us or the specific, um, you know, provisions he makes for us. I mean, how could I believe God is going to heal me if I don't believe he's able and strong to heal? You know, how, how can I believe God is going to be my sufficiency and make a way and provide for all my needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus if I don't believe he's able or strong to do it? In order to have faith, we have to believe that he is who he says he is. We have to believe that when he says, I am able, I am strong, I am mighty over all these things, that, my, that Jesus' name is above every other name. If I don't believe that, then I can't put my faith into it. And so he leads this conversation with Abram by first establishing the fact that he is able. And we know that God is able, don't we? He is creator, he is protector, he is provider, deliverer, miracle worker. And these are just some of the things that abram has seen him to be and we've got a whole rest of the bible where we see god being who he is an able mighty strong god and so this is a fitting title as he introduces himself here to abram as the almighty god el shaddai it's a fitting title for what god is about to tell abram and what he is about to do which is the impossible and you know god is able to do the impossible because he's the almighty No one else can do it because no one else is almighty. That's why it's impossible for all of us. Because we're not almighty. But he is. And in Jesus' name, I'm with him. I'm in him. And so the almighty can happen in my life. Because I am in relationship with the almighty. I have faith in him. Amen. Let's look at the signs of covenant. I kind of want to address... Well... Mostly two things that are signs of covenant. And then we're going to talk about establishing the covenant through the generations. The two signs of covenant that, that I see through this passage in Genesis 17. Um, the first is when the names change. The first thing is he changes their names. The, the identification. And I've got to go back. I'm trying to get our verse here. Abram fell out on his face. Uh, verse 5. You, no longer shall your name be called Abram, but your name shall be Abraham. For I have made you the father of a multitude of nations. So, God, throughout Genesis 17, in this conversation, He changes Abram and Sarai's names because He has made them things that they weren't on their own. You know, when they were born, they were given names... But the names they had didn't line up with what God's plan for them was. You know, it's it's kind of like, and I've I've referenced this before. But when we accept Christ, we become Christians, right? We're identified with Him. God's giving them a new identity here because He's got He's calling them into something new. He's made a promise, an agreement. He's told them, "I'm able to do this thing that I'm telling you I'm going to do. I'm going to make you a, a, a father of a great nation, a mother of a great nation." And so their names that they had prior wouldn't have lined up with that. And so when he gave them new names, here's, here's the switches. Here's what these names meant. Abram meant exalted father. Hey, that's a pretty good name. It's not that he had a bad name. But Abraham, like it says here, is a father, a multitude of nations. That's what the, the word Abraham means, a father of a multitude. And so by changing his name, God was giving him this identity that you are going to be the father of a multitude. Many nations are going to come from you. And he's got one son that was born to the Egyptian servant. And so he's calling out something that he's not even seeing yet. He's speaking a word into Abraham's life that Abram hasn't seen come to fruition yet. But God can speak this word in and Abram, Abraham, is it because God said it. And, you know, this is something we've got to know. And this is something we put faith in is I'm not who I am. I'm not what I am. I don't believe what I believe because I see it or because I'm it on my own. It's because God said it. Amen. It's what God says is is what well comes to be It just shows you too the power of words The fact that God changed their name to be the thing that he said they would be Words have power, you know that? Words have a power And so we ought to speak in agreement with the things God says about us This is something I see with the name change This is something I see when they come into covenant with God They have to start speaking different words in their life You know you and I have to start speaking different words in our life When we come into covenant with God because when we're in covenant with God And we're not in covenant with the world anymore Our situation changes Our identity changes or what, what we have access to changes And so when I start speaking the word over my life Instead of what I see in my life It's not that I'm just like a liar Or I, I don't have a grip on reality It's a matter of faith It's the fact that I, I identify My words have power And I'm going to speak in agreement with the word of God Rather than the word of my eyes rather than the word of of my feeling, rather than the word of my even thinking. You know, we can have a lot of thoughts. People can plant thoughts. The enemy can get a thought. We got to take every thought captive and we got to think, we got to talk, we got to live based on the word and not based on what we see. Amen. Because Abram, he still didn't see it yet. He still didn't see the multitude of nations. And Sarai is the same way. Sarai, that, that name means my princess. You know, there again, that's not like a, it's not a bad name. It's not that they had this terrible reputation that God had to change. Sarai, in, in verse 15. As for Sarai, your wife, you shall not call her name Sarai, but you, Sarah shall be her name. Sarai means my princess. Sarah means princess. It's just, it's the Hebrew word for Princess. And, um, you know, some of, some of the scholars, biblical scholars believe that the change here was because my princess was very, very specific and very narrow, but princess had a a more broad, more general implication. And, um, what we see with Sarah as we read on in the chapter God talks about how she would be you know a mother to these kings the mother of these nations and so her name too is this change of of just this one people group to many and she hadn't even born Ishmael so she had no children coming from her yet and God is calling out that she was going to be royalty in this nation she was you know going to be this this mother um, through which kings would come and so The change in name is a sign of covenant. It's a sign of the fact that God has brought us into something better. God has a greater plan for us than what we see today. And so the words being changed is an indication that the status has changed. God wouldn't have spoken something that wasn't true. And so when he started speaking different words over them, it meant that there had been a change from things of the world to the things of God, from the word of the world to the word of God. And it's better to live in the word of God. And that's something we can take with us today because we've got a different name, right? We've got a new name. I'm not just Isaac Wangler. I'm Isaac Wangler in Christ. And when we're in Christ, we we've got a whole new identity. It's a whole different thing to be in Christ. I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus. Amen. Now let's look at the next part of this in our outline. It says circumcision. This is the other element of a sign of covenant that we want to mention. And this is this is a really physical thing. You know, the name change that's that's a word thing and that's important, but there was a physical change that occurred Um, When when they came into this covenant When God said this is going to be the sign Of the covenant All the males in your camp Are going to be circumcised He says it right here in um, verse 11 Through like verse 13 You shall be circumcised in the flesh of your foreskins It shall be a sign of the covenant Between me and you He who is eight days old among you shall be circumcised every male throughout your generations, whether born in your house or bought with your money from any foreigner who is not of your offspring. Both he who is born in your house and he who is bought with your money shall surely be circumcised. So shall my covenant be in your flesh, an everlasting covenant. So what we have here is a sign of covenant, a sign of covenant. We talked about that a little bit last week when we were discussing um, how God had Abram line these animals up. Do you remember about that? The blood covenant. Where these animals were split in two And then there were the birds And God put Abraham to sleep Because he knew he wasn't going to be able to measure up On every part of the covenant And so God made this covenant for Abraham For mankind with himself So that he was you know, tied to this agreement with Abraham In the similar way here God instructs Abram, this is going to be the sign for you and, and all of your people. Everybody who's a part of this covenant, this, this is going to be a sign. This is going to be something that you guys do on the outside to identify you as being in covenant with me. You know, it, it's, like a, it's like a seal, it's like something that indicates um, this, this is who we are, this is who we're with, this is the covenant, the agreement that we've made. You know, it's like it, when you sign checks at the bank. You know, they keep a record of your signature, which acts as a seal for you. And so if anybody ever asks, hey, did you actually agree to pay that money for that thing? They can pull out the check and say, right here, we've got it. There's been an agreement made. This this circumcision, it was the same thing in the Old Testament for the Hebrew people. That circumcision was the signature of the covenant that they had with God. This is the indication that, hey, we are in covenant. We are in agreement. We have this agreement with God. And it's this agreement that um, has been discussed since Genesis 12 that Abram and his descendants were going to be a great nation. They were going to be a blessing to all peoples and that God was going to make their name great. And so this covenant, this circumcision is a sign of the agreement that God had made with Abram. And so we, we read it. In the verse, he said that all the males present would need to get this sign of covenant. Um, to go without it would to be would be to be put out of the nation. He says that um, throughout this too. I think it's in verse 14. Any uncircumcised male who is not circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin shall be cut off from his people. He has broken my covenant. And so it's a big deal to be in covenant or out of covenant. And you know, God, really what this is about, it's, it's not just that he wanted all the males to have to do this terrible thing that Abram did as a 99-year-old man. I mean, what a time in life to do this. But it's, what it's about is, is a decision. It's about decision. Like, if if you don't want to take the sign, if you don't want the covenant, then you got to get out of here. I mean, you have to choose. It's this lukewarm thing that we talk about out of Revelation 3. We We still have this same kind of motivation today. To not take the sign of the covenant was to reject the covenant. Kind of like for us, to not take the name of Christ but try to be a believer in God doesn't work. You either take it or you don't there's no in-between and so pretty pretty it sounds almost harsh but it's really not it's just justice it's just right you're either in it or you're not you don't get the benefit without Taking the sign of it and really what 's the down i mean there 's not much downside i mean for especially for anybody who 's eight days old they 're not going to remember this but there 's a sign that this is who we are it 's an identification thing it's it 's a fact of I have decided that I am in this relation I am in this agreement with god i 'm trusting in God my faith is in God it was a sign of the agreement Abram had with God and it 's a covenant it says too that is everlasting I think we read that in verse thirteen so shall my covenant be in your flesh, an everlasting covenant. You know, circumcision is a permanent thing on earth. You, you're bound to, you're permanent with it. In a similar way, it's, it's representative of the fact that you can't get out of the covenant God strikes with you. I mean, Abram wasn't leaving covenant with God. God had made this covenant with him. He had made this agreement. And it was an everlasting covenant. It still is, because it's everlasting. It's still going on. Isn't that good news for us? And so even in looking at the sign of covenant, which was circumcision, we can see characteristics of the covenant of God, that it's not something that we can just cover up or get away from. It's it's an everlasting, a permanent agreement that he's given to all man now through Abram and the lineage, the seed that we're going to talk about here in just a little bit. So with this sign of covenant, the seal of covenant The other thing I wanted to mention is that it's a reminder And a profession of the relationship or the agreement that they have with God You know, um, I don't have a lot of material prepared But when I think about that, I really think about baptism in the New Testament You know, the circumcision isn't the thing that saved the Hebrew people It wasn't I mean, it wasn't the fact that their parents decided to do that when they were 8 days old That's not what saved them It was the fact that they were in covenant with God And the circumcision was just a sign of that. It's kind of like baptism. You know, going in the tank, getting dunked underwater, that doesn't save you. I'm sorry for anybody who believes that. Well, no, I'm not sorry about it because it's the truth. The water doesn't save you. The water doesn't purify you. If we go back to Sunday's sermon, I mean, the water doesn't have any power. The power's in Christ. The the water, the baptism, is is a public profession. It's a confession before man. It's a moment that I can look back on. And remember the covenant that I've got with God. Remember the agreement that I have with God. Remember what he's done in me, putting my old man to death and raising a new man to life. Just like the same way, the covenant is where the power's at. It's not in the sign of covenant. Alright, do we agree with that? In fact, we're going to see some notes as we go on a little bit later about circumcision. We're going to go to the New Testament in, um, in Romans 4 we're going to read about how really the, power, the circumcision has no power in it. It's just the sign of the covenant that was already established. And I love this part too. Because in Genesis 17 we get a sign of covenant. But the covenant was actually made earlier on. Thirteen years prior in fact. Do you realize that? It was thirteen years later after God had made... well, And the first word came twenty-four years earlier. God had made a covenant a long time before. And then God showed up and walked through the blood covenant... And it wasn't until 13 years after that, that Abram had to do anything at all. And so I'm just saying, there's no power in our actions. I mean, you know, it's really not that different from what I was preaching Sunday. you, You can't work your way into covenant with God abram couldn't work his way into covenant with god it was faith in god and in what he had done that made him saved, and we're going to see that as we go on let's talk about establishing the covenant through generations i want to pull up genesis 17 verse 21 that's on your scripture sheet and i wrote it out in the amplified we already read through it i can put it up on the screen again but the amplified reads just a little bit different i wanted to key in on this for a minute Genesis 17, 21 in the Amplified, it says, But my covenant, my promise, my solemn pledge, I will establish with Isaac, whom Sarah will bring who will bear to you at this time next year. My promise, my covenant, my solemn pledge. I just I like the wordage that the Amplified brings in there. You know, covenant, we we might think of that and we're thinking about some of these Old Testament things maybe we're thinking about just bible language but my my promise my solemn pledge and then we saw earlier it's an everlasting thing too you know he's referencing what he had been telling abram all along i mentioned in a minute ago that he was going to be a great generation he was going to be a blessing to the world and his name would be made great and then he he gets specific and he talks about how the descendants of this covenant that he is pledging he is solemnly pledging promising to abram is going to come through isaac which is different than what abram thought because he thought that ishmael was the answer The the son that they had You know Taken their own action And made work By their own hands You know They were just gonna Contribute a little bit To what God had told them They would do God just needed I'm I'm being kind of like Sarcastic here But you know They thought God needed Their help to make His plan come to pass Well we know that That just messed things up Further didn't it God doesn't need Our help He, He wants our obedience I believe he wants Our cooperation He wants us to say yes He wants us to have Faith in him But He's going to bring it to pass. He doesn't need us to try to figure it out on our own. And something else we can see as God progressively comes and reaffirms this covenant with Abram time and time again. Do you recognize that he gets a little bit more specific with Abram every time he shows up? Every time God brings the word to Abram, Abram gets a little more information about how the plan is going to work. Because at first he just got the promise You're going to be a great nation but, but then it's you're going to have a son But he thought well maybe Hagar is the answer here. But now it's getting even more specific And God saying I'm going to establish my covenant with Isaac Abram didn't know who Isaac was Who's Isaac? Who's this Isaac guy? He's not in my tents Whom Sarah shall bear to you At this time next year So now he's like oh Sarah's going to do it And you know they laugh He laughs because that seems ridiculous the fact is every time God's word comes before Abram Every time Abram puts faith in God's word He gets a little bit more of the plan of God You know that's true for us too The more we come back to God's word The more we're going to get The more we're going to understand The more we're going to know The more revelations going to come I, I, I'll tell you I haven't, I haven't ran out of revelation Like every time I go to the word I get more I don't know about you I haven't, It hasn't run out for me yet And I don't believe it ever will I'm going to keep on going back and God's going to keep on giving me the next step, the next revelation, the next thing that I need to continue on in his plan for me. We see it with Abram. I believe we can see that in our life too. Isaac would be the lineage God's promise would come through. After Isaac, of course, Jacob, who would be called Israel on down to David, on to Jesus. And then through Jesus, the Gentiles would come in, the great nation that would be a blessing to the whole world. And this is you know, the, the end of that promise that we got in Genesis 12, where God said to Abram, I'm going to make you a great nation, I'm going to give you a good name, and I'm going to bless the whole world through you. The, the end of that is the Gentiles coming into relationship through Jesus. And so it was through the lineage of Abram, and then Isaac, and then Jacob, Israel... On down to Jesus that would bring this to pass. And so the covenant God has made never changed. You see that. It never changed. As we've talked about it for these like four weeks now. The covenant hasn't changed. It's maybe gotten more specific. more, More revelation every time that God comes and talks to him. But it doesn't change. God was unchanging then and he's unchanging now. God is not a liar. He fulfills his word and he fulfills his promises. Amen. Let's move on to the second half of our scripture study. And we're going to go ahead uh, four chapters to Genesis 21. And as we turn there, I kind of give you the update in our timeline. And so um, Abram gets this promise. And then he has like the craziest year of his life. All right. That's what I'm just going to call the next four chapters. The craziest year of his life. Because within this time frame, all within a year, because he gets the promise this time next year, you're going to have a son named Isaac. Okay, We, we all read that. Within this year, the, so- the events of Sodom and Gomorrah take place in that following year, while Sarai, Sarah, now Sarah, is supposed to be bearing him a son, Sodom and Gomorrah happens. so um, God comes through, they, they have another interaction, and um, He tells him that he's going to, well, cast judgment on Sodom and Gomorrah. And we talked about that lesson a few weeks ago. Um, Abram intercedes lot is delivered um, that all happens and then after that in chapter 20 we're not going to turn there for time tonight but in chapter 20 we get some information about Abraham and Sarah's next travels. They go to a place called uh, Gerar. that's in chapter 20 and um, you know it amazes me because Abram and Abraham and Sarah they, they keep having some of the same problems. You remember how when they went to Egypt, He uh, told Pharaoh that Sarah was his sister. You remember that we read about that? He does the same thing in this new land. They go to this place, Gerar, the city, Gerar, and the king of this city. Well, Abraham Abraham is still scared. He still thinks he's going to get killed because 90-year-old Sarah is so beautiful that um, he has to lie. And I'm sure she was. And so he lies again about Sarah. And Abimelech, King Abimelech, takes her into his house. But then God intervenes. Abimelech has a dream that um, he he comes to realize that Sarah is actually a man's wife. And he figures all that out. And so then they have discourse. But this is where they end up. They're in the land of Gerar. And this is where um, Sarah bears Isaac. And we'll pick up in uh, Genesis 21. It says, The Lord visited Sarah as he had said. He always does what he said. As God had commanded him. Abraham was a hundred years old when his son Isaac was born to him. And Sarah said, God has made laughter for me. Everyone who hears will laugh over me. And she said, who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children? Yet I have borne him a son in his old age. And the child grew and was weaned, and Abraham made a great feast on the day that Isaac was weaned. But Sarah saw the son of Hagar, Ishmael the, the Egyptian, whom she had borne to Abraham, laughing. So she said to Abraham, "'Cast out this slave woman with her son, for the son of this slave woman shall not be heir with my son Isaac.' And the thing was very displeasing to Abraham on account of his son. But God said to Abraham, Do not, be not displeased because of the boy and because of your slave woman. Whatever Sarah says to you, do as she tells you, for through Isaac shall your offspring be named And I will make a nation of the son of the slave woman also, because he is your offspring. So Abraham rose early in the morning and took bread and a skin of water and gave it to Hagar, putting it on her shoulder along with the child and sent her away. Child, he's 14 now. And she departed and wandered in the wilderness of Beersheba. When the water in the skin was gone, she put the child under one of the bushes then she went and sat down opposite him a good way off, about the distance of bowshot, for she said, "Let me not look on the death of my child." And as she sat opposite him, she lifted up her voice and wept. And God heard the voice of the boy. And the angel of God called to Hagar from heaven and said to her, What troubles you, Hagar? Fear not, for God has heard the voice of the boy where he is. Up, lift up the boy and hold him fast with your hand, for I will make him into a great nation. Then God opened her eyes and she saw a well of water. And she went and filled the skin with water and gave the boy a drink. And God was with the boy and he grew up. He lived in the wilderness and became an expert with the bow. He lived in the wilderness of Paran and his mother took a wife for him from the land of Egypt. So there we have Ishmael and Hagar out in the desert. We have Isaac born, weaned, circumcised, and... um, what I want us to notice for the first part here of Genesis 21, we're going to break this into two sections, sort of. The first is about um, God coming through on the promise. All right, So Sarah bears the son which was a a miraculous thing. Isaac's birth was miraculous and based on God's word and power. It wasn't Abraham's doing, it wasn't Sarah's doing, they couldn't have made that happen. It was totally the miraculous power of God. Um, and what we see is that over and over In these first four or five, four or five chap- uh, verses is, is it says As he said As he said As he had promised as, And we go on to the next one um, As God had commanded it, it's, it's all, if we see it this way it's, it's all about what God had done None of this would have been possible without God stepping in And, and really the truth is God's promises require God's power You know that? God's promises require God's power I can't make the promises of God happen If I could, I wouldn't need them to be promises from God Right? If if I could do it, then I wouldn't need the the intervention of God Almighty But I do Because I can't do the things that I need I I was not made to live totally self-sufficient on my own You know that? We were made to require God And we do when we don't have him we're not going to be full we're not going to be satisfied we're not going to have um, what we were designed to well abundant life you know that that's just the quick way to say it we're not going to have abundant life if we don't have God and with God, with God Almighty, we have life like we're supposed to have, and so it's better to live with God's power because when we're living in God's power, we're going to be living in God's promise. And so we see it repeated here in the first part of Genesis twenty-one, as he did, as he said, as he promised, as he commanded. It was about what God had done, not about what Abraham or Sarah had done. And so even though Abraham is counted as this great man of faith, and and uh, you know he has looked at, it, he's the father of this this covenant as we get to the new testament and and they talk about that really it's about what god had done not about what abraham had done so we have to we have to get to that place of of thinking and believing and putting faith in god not in our own actions this is really what we see with abraham i think studying him closely we learned this lesson it's about what god can do not about what we can do let's talk about abraham or i'm sorry isaac's name for a second we saw how it was about laughter, right? And Sarah said, God has made laughter for me. Everyone who hears will laugh over me. Um, Abraham was 100 years old. Isaac was born to him. And so Isaac, we see um, named, born. It means laughter. It's the Hebrew word for laughter. Isaac is. Um, this word laughter and, and the reason that I, the name is isaac is because it's a reminder talking about laughter it's a reminder of god's faithfulness it's a reminder of god's ability to do what they couldn't do because both abraham and sarah laughed when god told them about it we saw that in genesis seventeen seventeen with abram and we saw it in genesis 18 verse 12 with sarah both of them laughed at god when he told them what he was going to do both of them thought that it couldn't happen that couldn't be the plan god in fact when uh, God told Abram, if you remember what he said, he goes, well, God, surely you're thinking about Ishmael. And he says, no, it's going to be Isaac. And So they were, they were not just fully in belief at the very first time that they heard it. Kind of like a lot of believers in the New Testament. They might hear the word about healing or provision or wisdom or strength or any other promises that are in the word, and they might not believe it at first. But when God's word says it and says it and says it again, and it keeps on saying it And you can't get away from it Eventually you got to either believe it or, or get out You know I mean eventually you got to choose Am I going to believe God and what he said Or am I going to reject what he said Am I going to believe the word of God Or am I going to reject the word of God And so every time <laughs> I, I just think it's awesome Every time they called Isaac over They would have been reminded Every, every time It would be like us saying laughter You know if one of us was named laughter Hey laughter come here Oh yeah I laughed at God When he told me this was going to happen a reminder of God's faithfulness. It's a reminder that God can do what he's going to do in unlikely and impossible circumstances. God is able. God is strong. He is El Shaddai, Almighty God. He's able and he's faithful. The second thing we see in this passage in Genesis 21 is about the uh, further contention between Sarah and Hagar. Now, it's easy to understand why there was some uh, discord between them. You know, um, Hagar had born a son who's now 14 years old, and Sarah didn't like it. He, she didn't like it from the get-go, even though it was her idea. And um, this next kind of wave of harsh dealing was instigated because um, Ishmael, some translations say scoffed in verse 9 of this. Um, Sarah saw Ishmael laughing at Isaac when um, there was this, this party being thrown, this feast when he was weaned. And so Um, sarah was mad about that she she thinks there's you know contempt that ishmael has for isaac ishmael isn't taking isaac seriously and yet isaac is supposed to be the heir to you know all of this that abraham and i have built Um, besides just being mad on the surface about ishmael laughing at isaac because you probably wouldn't like it if somebody laughed at your kid would you I mean, who would like that? If somebody's making fun of your son, I mean, you'd probably... I, I know all the moms out there would just get right in their face. I know it. I've seen it happen, okay? Nice, lovely lady. I mean, theres you start messing with kids and mama bear comes out, right? That's the way I've heard it said. So... Of course, on this level, Sarah's mad, but then beyond that, I think the deeper thing is, is she, and she references it here she says, Cast out this slave, for the, the son of this slave shall not be heir with my son Isaac. It wasn't just about the surface level thing, it was the fear that Ishmael's going to try to take some of this inheritance, Ishmael's going to try to take some of this promise, Ishmael's going to try to take the name of Abraham Ishmael's going to he's going to be the inheritor and Isaac may not because in the culture the oldest son would have been the one who got the goods and so Sarah is fearful that Ishmael would take the promised inheritance and so Sarah of course we know she asks Abraham to send Hagar and Ishmael away um, Which I think is just ironic because Sarah is the one who had the great idea for Hagar to go into Abraham in the first place. She comes to despise her great idea that she had in the beginning. Her solution to their problem, it it ended up in resentment. And so, I tell you, it's better to wait on God's plan. It's better to pray about god's plan than to take a hasty action of ourselves because probably we're going to end up resenting the thing that we thought was a great idea in the first place I'm just telling you what i see with with sarah and hagar and abraham it would have been wetter, better if they had just waited um, patiently for god to do what he said he would do abraham is in a much different place than sarah sarah's ready to see him go out i bet she didn't care if they like you know died of thirst or whatever was going to happen, she just wanted him gone. She was mad, she was resentful. Abraham is coming from a much different place though um, it it displeased it says in verse eleven the thing was very displeasing to Abraham on account of his son, you know whether it was Hagar or Sarah who bore him it 's still his son it's it 's still his kid, and so the fact that he's looking at this decision to send him out into the desert which is where they went is out into the desert uh, that would have been a, I imagine a hard thing for a father to do to send his son out um, said it earlier when we were reading ishmael would have been 14 years old at the time i mean you know he's not a baby but he's not a full-grown man ready to go step out and you know enlarge his own tent and that kind of thing i mean he he's still a child to abraham and uh, abraham didn't want to send him out Something I see about this, which maybe isn't the first way we'd think about it, Abraham had to put faith in God to send Ishmael out. You know that? I, I Here we really do see a display of Abraham's faith because in sending him out, he was totally giving up all ability to help, all ability to provide for. As a father, he was totally entrusting God to take care of his son Ishmael, which wasn't even thinking about this, but it's amazing that he would have to do the same thing with Isaac a little while later on. He would have to totally put his trust in God's hands to take care of his son. And so we see Abraham putting faith in God. As he sends his son away. Of course, God's faithful. He provides for Hagar and Ishmael. Um, and he promises a lineage which comes. We'll talk more about that when we get to the apologetic part. Um, but but even with Hagar and Ishmael, the ones that weren't going to be the lineage, the ones that weren't going to be promised, they were still um, part, part of this promise. God made a promise with them. And uh, we see them. Having a lineage later on in Genesis, um, Ishmaelites are the ones that come and trade with Joseph's brothers when they sell him to go be a slave in Egypt. It's Ishmaelites that pick him up on the way to Egypt, and so we know that uh, Ishmael and Hagar lived. And God's God's faithful once again to come through on His promises. I want to talk for a few minutes about New Testament. I told you we were going to go to Romans. Let's turn to Romans four, verse twelve through thirteen, and really the whole chapter of Romans four. I mean, we we could spend. We could probably spend all night just in Romans 4, but we're not going to do that because we don't have time. And then we're going to go to Galatians 3 as well. Both of these uh, chapters, Galatians 3 and Romans 4, they're both just, just powerful, powerful areas of the Word where you can go to if if you're struggling with like self-work, self-righteousness. I mean, this just it reinforces the fact that it's the grace of God. It's putting faith in what Christ has done, This is how we come to righteousness. This is how we come to purity. This is how we come into relationship with God. Let's read Romans 4, 12-13. It says, And the father of circumcision to those who not only are of... This is talking about Abraham, by the way. The father of circumcision to those who are not only are of the circumcision, but who also walk in the steps of faith, which our father Abraham had while still uncircumcised. For the promise that he would be the heir of the world Was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law But through the righteousness of faith Amen. So it was, it was the righteousness that comes by faith And it says that he was walking in faith Before he was circumcised And so what that shows us, I mentioned it earlier Is circumcision, the outward sign Isn't the thing that got Abraham saved And in the same way today It's not the outward stuff we do that gets us saved It's putting our faith In the grace of God, in the the sacrifice of Jesus, the one and only Son, to be the perfect sacrifice, pay the price, to make us righteous. And so, um, inclusion in the promise is not about outward signs like circumcision, because Abraham was included in the promise before he was ever circumcised. Isn't that good news? Yes, it is. Inclusion in the promise, too. Here's the other thing we see is not about getting it all right because we saw Abraham and Sarah did not get it all right. Isn't that true? Even after he circumcised, he still didn't get it all right because they went to uh, Gerar and and you know King Abimelech had Sarah in his house for a little while. And so it's not all about getting it right. It's about faith in God's power. Um, you know this. This is good news because it means. If we miss it, we're not disqualified from righteousness. Isn't that good news? Yeah, yeah. Tell you, it's good news to know that we're not disqualified just because we miss it. It's about faith in the power in the righteousness of God. The promise and covenant came by righteousness of faith. And um, so righteousness is a result of faith in God. Let's go a little bit further forward to Romans 5, 1 and 2 says, therefore, having been justified by faith, justified, that, that means made righteous, made um, just, the, the price paid, it's kind of the legal courtroom setting again. Um, therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. What we can take away from this is putting our faith in Jesus Christ. This is what makes us justified. It's by faith. It's by faith. It's not by works. It's not by what we've done. It's not by the outward sign. It's by faith in Jesus. It's faith in God. Faith in God and in his plan for us. This justifies it, brings us to peace, it gives us access to the grace, it causes hope and rejoicing. These are some some of the things we see, and this would have all been true. For Abraham too, it wasn't based on what he did, it was based on the faith. Let's go to Galatians 3. I know we're moving through these quickly. I'm going to talk about Galatians 3, 6-8. We'll just go right through the scriptures on your sheet. Galatians 3, 6-8. Just as Abraham believed God... And it was accounted to him for righteousness. tell you, that's faith right there. Believing God, it was accounted to him for righteousness. So it's not about what he did. It's not about how qualified he was. It wasn't because he got it all right every second of the way. It was because he had faith. He believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. Therefore, know that only those, say that with me, only those who are of faith are sons of Abraham. In the the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles By faith, that's us, by faith Preached the gospel to Abraham beforehand Saying, in you all the nations shall be blessed That's Genesis 12 That's before God had walked through the animals This is before the sign of circumcision was on Abraham and all of his people It, it, It says right here, beforehand He preached the gospel Isn't that awesome? Genesis 12 is the gospel when God tells Abraham, I'm going to make a great nation. I'm going to bless the nations through you. He is preaching the gospel. He's pointing to Jesus who would come and make us righteous. Just as Abraham believed God. It was accounted to him for righteousness. And it's those who are of faith. Faith. They're the ones that are part of this promise. Part of this covenant. Let's go ahead to Galatians 3.13-14. through 14. Christ has redeemed us from the curse. I love this scripture. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law glory having become a curse for us for it is written cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree that the blessing of abraham might come upon the gentiles in christ jesus there again, it's not the works, it's not the qualifications, it's not the outward sign, the outward things we do. It's it's faith in Christ Jesus that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. And so we've got a blessing, we've traded out the curse of the law. It, it, is, it is gone because Jesus bore the curse upon him on the tree, and we've come into the blessing by faith in Christ. Here's something that we'll see, and we're well let's just let's read our next one, Galatians 3, 16, 18. I'm gonna talk about it there. Um, now to Abraham and to his seed were the promises made. So Abraham, he's the one the promises were made to. He does not say, and to seeds as of many, but of one, and to your seed who is Christ. What is that talking about? It means that that it wasn't about the physical lineage that would come through Abraham. It was about those who would put their faith in Jesus. These are the ones who are in the promise. Abraham and his seed Singular seed Which is Jesus That's who the promises are made to So it's whoever's in Christ They're the ones that are in the promise They're the ones that are in the covenant You know and we see this through the New Testament It, It doesn't matter who your daddy was It doesn't matter who your great granddaddy was It doesn't matter where you came from What nation you're from It's those who put their faith in the seed Jesus Christ That's who's in the promise Amen And so it's the seed And Abraham, that's where the promises were made. And this I say that the law, I love this part, the law, which was 430 years later, cannot annul the covenant that was confirmed before by God in Christ. That it should make the promise of no effect. What does that mean? It means the law that everybody is trying to follow. It didn't even come for another 430 years. So the promise was established. Faith in Jesus brought promise to people. 430 years before there was even a code of rules to keep yourself righteous. That's right. And so the code of rules cannot annul the promise that was made beforehand. If you put your faith in Jesus, you have the promise. Amen. I mean, this is what it says, isn't it? it In 17, it cannot annul the covenant that was confirmed before by God. What is the covenant that was confirmed before by God? The The promise. The promise made to Abraham. And so, if you've got faith in Christ, if you're in with the seed, then you're in the promise. And the law cannot annul what was done before that it should make the promise no effect it can't do that it cannot take out the effect of the promise for if inheritance is of the law it's no longer a promise Amen. it's a it's a payment it's a wage if the promise is about the law and keeping the law and doing the right stuff and getting yourself qualified then it's not a promise it's a payment no that's right it's not it's not Blessing—it's—it's—it's it's, it's not you know a favored grace gift to you. It's I earned it, so give it to me. Uh-huh. Good luck if you go before God like that. Yeah. A lot of people do though. Yes, they do. God, I've been praying for this long, so I deserve it now. It's not that. It's in Christ. You can't earn the promise. <laughs> Our wage is death, because that's what we. We've got on our own works. We don't, want, we don't want the wage. I don't want the payment that I've earned. I want the promise that Jesus gave. I want the promise that comes with faith. Amen. Amen. God gave it to Abraham by a promise. Praise the Lord. The promise came first. I love that. The promise came first. Before the qualification requirements, before the law, it was just, it was faith. In God. It was faith in God's plan. It was faith in the seed. It was faith that God would do what He said He would do. It was faith that God was able to do what He said He would do, that He is El Shaddai, Almighty God. The promise came before the law, and so the inheritance is not tied up in the law, but in the seed. It's in Jesus' name. That's where we find our inheritance. That's where we find the promise. It's not in our works. It's not in our qualification. It's not in an outward sign or symbol. It's not in so much time doing any you know, Christian behavior. It is in Christ. It's in Christ. And so put your faith in Christ and receive the promise of God. Amen. Alright, we've got about a minute left And so I'm going to run through our apologetic section real quick here This is pretty much how we always end up doing it I, I get to the end and it's like, we got a minute left So let me just give it to you uh, Continuing conflict Let's talk about Ishmael You know, he was sent away We I referenced how later on in Genesis um, You know, Joseph would be picked up Later on, he's going to be picked up by the Ishmaelites Alright, and so Um, ishmael sent away he goes on he lives there's a promise that hagar and ishmael are given Um, god's mercy god's blessing upon ishmael he would become a great nation we're told that he ends up settling in paran Uh, that or paran that's northern arabia and so if you look at the saudi arabia peninsula he would have been in the north part of that it's a desert and so modern day people group who who comes from ishmael it would be Arabians, all right. Many of the Arabian people groups would have come from Ishmael. Not all of them, because there would have been other descendants of Noah that would have settled in those regions. That um, he wasn't the only one over there, but he was one of the early people um, to settle in northern Arabia in the desert. Along with that, what we see is a nomadic lifestyle. Uh, That's what, well, Arabs, they kind of have a more nomadic, at least historically they had a more nomadic approach to life. And so um, it fits with the description we actually get of Ishmael. Um, Let me give you that. If we go to Genesis 16, verse 12. Genesis 16, verse 12. This is uh, after Ishmael had been born. God gives him the name. And this is what he says about him. He says, He shall be a wild man. His hand shall be against every man. And every man's hand against him. He shall dwell in the presence of all his brethren. In the New King James... I think it's New King James It actually says He will be a wild donkey of a man I don't know why they took it out in this translation But he shall be a wild donkey of a man That's like a reference to nomadic living He doesn't have a place that's his own He's wild He's a donkey He's, you know Going far and wide and carrying all of his stuff with him I mean, he's, he's nomadic I, I think that was a word to indicate what his life was going to end up looking like His hand will be against everyone um, For many, many years and still today There is conflict in the Middle East You know that? Have you heard about the Middle East being kind of a, a not so nice place all the time? Not that it can't be, but there's a lot of conflict in the Middle East Well, a lot of that is a result of Ishmael's descendants And this warring between um, other people groups in that area, just like it says here, his hand will be against other men, other men's will be against him. And so uh, the good news about it, and we'll wrap up because we're out of time, but the good news is the descendants of Ishmael can enter into the kingdom of God by putting faith in Jesus, just like everybody else. They're not isolated away from the promise. Anybody else, I mean anybody who will put their faith in Christ, who will get in with the seed where the promise is, well, they're going to receive the kingdom. They're going to come into the kingdom. They're going to have the promises that God gave to Abraham, that he's given to us. It's available to anybody who will put their faith in Jesus. Amen? Amen. All right. Let's pray and wrap our service up tonight. Father, I thank you for this word, just for greater revelation and understanding of the truth that the promise, the covenant... Our relationship with you, it comes by faith. It's not about something we could do. It wasn't about something Abraham could do. It's about putting faith in you, God. And and we just thank you that you established the covenant first. You made it possible for us to have faith in you, Lord. We know that we can trust you. We know that we can put faith in you and expect To see the promise come to pass Because you have never failed You have never not come through You have always fulfilled your word You've been faithful to do what you said you'd do You're able to do what you said you'll do You are El Shaddai God Almighty Lord we thank you and we praise you As the Almighty One The One who is strong and able To fulfill every promise To come through with every word you've spoken Whether it seems easy or impossible to us Lord we thank you that you can do the things That we cannot do And you can do better the things that we think we could do. God, I pray that we would just have the trust, the faith, the patience to wait and be patient and trust that you're going to come through and do things in the way that you would have them to be done, Lord. I thank you, too, just for the word of, of salvation being available to anybody that, that who would call on the name of Jesus and put their faith in Him. Lord, that they would be saved, that they would enter in with this, His him is the seed, the one who was promised, the one who the promise is in. God, I thank you that all of us, for calling out on the name of Jesus, has have entered into that promise too. That He bore the curse for us, and we've been brought into the blessing, into the promise, into the covenant that you established with Abraham as your people, as your nation, as as those in the kingdom. God, we're so grateful for that, and so we praise you for it. And I just pray tonight, as we go, we would be very aware, Lord, very aware, increasingly aware that there are people who have not. Yet called out in faith on the name of Jesus, Lord, help us to, to lead them away from works and into the light of the gospel, which is faith in the grace of you, God. I pray that as people come to see it, as, as we live it out, indeed, in, in speech, just in every part of our life, Lord, I thank you that your light is showing through us. I thank you that as we go, we're bringing the light to the places that we enter, and that people would see that there is something different about those who are living with faith in you, who are living in the promise, who are living a life just full of grace. And I thank you that your light is attractive and people would come to know you as we live out a life of faith, the abundant life that you've promised and made available for us. We praise you for it, we expect it, and we love you. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Have a wonderful night, everybody. Bill has something. Yeah, I sure do. This.